1: Hey, hey, hey. Okay, obviously... This is not Tiffany. This is Mandy. I'm filling in tonight. Tiff and I will be back together for a brand new episode next week. We're just taking a little bit of time off this week. You guys continue to send us your questions at brownambitionpodcast at gmail.com. Hit us up on Twitter. We're at the BA Podcast on Twitter and at brownambition on Instagram. I wanted to introduce a really special episode of Brown Ambition this week. A look back at one of our top five most popular and one of my personal favorite interviews we've ever done on the show. She's the co-founder of one of the most dominant brands in natural hair care today, Miko Branch, who joined us a little under a year ago to talk about how she and her sister built one of the most dominant brands in natural hair care out of their apartment in Brooklyn. And now without further ado, here's our interview with Miko Branch of Miss Jessie's Hair Care. Okay, guys, it is a moment I have been waiting for, selfishly. You guys have been waiting for. We finally have her on the show, Miss Miko Branch, the co-founder of Miss Jessie's Natural Hair Products. Miko, (gasps) goddess of the earth, thank you so much for coming on the show. Wow, Mandy, it
2: is so good to talk to you. I I understand you are a curly girl, and Tiffany is one too. So I'm happy to kick it with you ladies about all things curls, kinks, and waves.
1: Well, there's so much inspiration, so much, so much about your story that's inspirational. I mean, the success of the business is one thing, but. I mean, you need to tell people that you you and your, and your sister, T.D., who has sadly passed away recently, um, you guys built this company from scratch. No MBAs, no angel investors, no crowdfunding. What was that like building? And before people even cared about natural hair or saw the potential there, what was that like? It was two sisters
2: just uh, making it happen, uh, making ends meet being innovative, uh, being um, just T.T. I against the world. That's what it felt like. And um, I don't think we really lifted our heads up to understand what we were doing at the time, but we did, uh, it was clear to us that we were coming up with something that was going to be useful. So that made us feel really good. So it was actually fun while we were building. Did
3: you ever, yeah. like, went realize, whoa, oh. like we have something here, you know, like, like, you know, like the, like I made it moment. We were like, wow, like we're really doing this. Like, was there like a moment or was it kind of gradual?
2: Mm-hmm. Well, Tiff, uh, Tiffany, there were many moments. There were many aha moments. And uh, some of the first aha moments came when we uh, discovered that we had curly, but not kinky hair. And that discovery for me was at bath time with my son while we were struggling in our business. My son splashed all around. I'm a single parent, and it was very um, important for me to be in his life. So I did hair in the house, and I was also his mom in our house. And uh, I gave him baths on the fourth floor. He splashed around, and I could no longer keep my straight-styled hair straight. And I just had to embrace it that started a conversation and in that moment i knew we had something okay. um and then you know we had other aha moments with the product um but that was our very first understanding that it was going to get interesting
1: and you started doing hair so you were always you know in your heart you were a stylist but you you went through you went you were going to go to fashion school right you went to fit before you went to beauty school, how did you? I mean, how? What was it that was driving you or making you think that nah, maybe not hair isn't for me? Maybe I should do something like go to fashion school.
2: Well, when I went to FIT, uh, it was it was very um, unpleasant. It was not a fun experience, and my education at FIT made it very clear to me um, that this was something I did not want to do. So uh, the moment I graduated from FIT, um, I I signed up for hair school. And I understood that it's time for me to do something that I like. So I I ran to hair school and I went to uh, school on 34th Street in the city.
1: And you talk in your book, which I mentioned before in the podcast, which is an excellent sort of the story of Miss Jessie's and of your sisterhood and, and how you built the business. But you talk about the influence of your parents and in different ways and especially your dad. Um, you guys launched a cleaning company together. Is that right? When you were like a teenager, you're running this company with your dad.
2: Yes, uh, we did. Our dad, Jimmy Branch, groomed Titi and I to be entrepreneurs at a very early age. So by the time we we were in our late teens, early twenties, um, we took our we 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 took a stab at becoming entrepreneurs, and we were entrepreneurs. Um, we were with our dad, and uh, that was a very interesting business because we were cleaning and scrubbing toilets and doing all the dirty work. So. Um, uh, that was a wonderful experience for me, in particular, because I got a chance to, again uh, understand at a very early age all the things that I did not want to do. So I was playing, paying very close attention to that. So by the time it came to um, make a decision about what I wanted to do, it was very clear to me.:
3: So Miko, I have four sisters, and I have, I have my own company. They't we're not like partners or anyway, but slowly but surely, I'm starting to see the talents. Of my sisters and how they're helping me. How do you, how did you manage that with TT? Like, cause like so, my the baby Lisa, uh, she was my personal assistant, but you can guess how that worked out. I'm like Lisa, I paid you to eat my food and like, like because she would literally be like, oh, you have mail at mommy and daddy's house. Want me to bring it? And I'd be like, yeah. And then I get a bill. Like that's not that's not how that works. So. Right. Right. So how did you manage, like, working with your—because I know there's obviously some great upside, but what about the times when you guys had some, like, some difficulties?
2: We were able to manage most of the downsides because in the upside, there was a sister dynamic already in play. See, Titi was my big sister, so we already had pretty much of an understanding. Um, The downside of that came when we were really locked and stuck in our sister dynamic of big sister, little sister. So when it came time to place blame, you know, there was really no room for a big sister or a little sister, you know, moment. It was really that was the moment that we really had to be partners and be responsible for our role in the business. The only thing. Thing with that, it wasn't really clear to us what our role was. So we kind of felt our way as we crawled through.
1: But, um, you know, we, we, we managed to figure it out. How long I, do you think it took before you guys felt like you were in a good place and you knew what your role was and you knew what her hers was? And did you, you, did you put that in writing? Did you put it on the wall, you know, draw a line down the floor? How did you guys do that, make that division?
2: Well, at first, we did not put it in writing. As I mentioned, we had a very special understanding as sisters that kind of uh, flowed over into our business. So for many years, we did not have a written agreement. But for tax purposes, we, we really needed to formalize our business. And that led us to... Um, uh, what did we do? We, we did an LLC, and that was our first partnership, our first legal partnership. Um, although Titi and I didn't really understand what that meant legally, uh, we did it for tax reasons. But, you know, as far as as a division of labor, there was probably no one area that neither she nor I couldn't do. I mean, we didn't have that luxury, although... When we first started out, I imagined that I would just be doing hair all day and my sister would be handling everything else. Didn't work out that way. We had to um, divide everything up pretty much equally. And um, most of the time that worked for us. And sometimes it was really tough on us.
1: When were you able to hire people to help you? How long was it just you and your sister, blood, sweat, and tears?
3: (laughs) We're twins. I was literally just about to say, when do
1: you? (laughs) We need details, Mika. We need numbers, facts, and figures.
2: (laughs) So when we first opened our business in 1997, it was a two-chair salon. And within that first year, Titi and I were able to hire an assistant. Um, We we made a profit in that first year, and we tried to keep our prices at a premium. and keep our expenses low um, with that formula we were able to hire someone within the first year and I think in the first year we went through maybe two or three assistants because there's a high t- high turnover in assistance and then over the years we always managed to have um, an assistant in the salon but when we started mixing product Titi and I were paying attention to the signs and the signs for growth were, oh my God, our backs are hurting. (laughs) Oh my God, we're staying up way too late. And oh my God, uh, people are ordering this stuff faster than we can make it. So those signs, and we call it common sense, um, we paid attention to them, and that's when we understood we have to call someone in here to help us. And before we knew it, we were um, rocking every single floor in this brownstone you know, with some, some, some form of work. And uh, we got our money's worth from this purchase that we made in 1997 in the Bedford-Stuyvesant section of Brooklyn. So that was a good investment.
3: For- yeah.
2: <laughs> that's where we held our business down. Hold
1: on to that with every ounce of strength you
3: have. You know, it's so right. funny. Like, I am. it reminds me of Newark, like how Newark is like, that's where I live now, and I'm trying my best to buy property. Because I just don't want in five to ten years. I'm like, oh man, I should have.
2: It's a great investment and particularly for, you know, an entrepreneur. It's a wonderful place to start your business and you can dual purpose that thing in so many ways, triple purpose. So I
1: encourage you, get your house. I've got a question about that because in the book you in the same sort of section where you're talking about buying the house, right before that, you talk about a tax issue that you guys face, mm-hmm. uh, which I think a lot of you know new entrepreneurs can deal with. Can you talk about the tax issues that you had early early on and then sort of where the buying property came into that later?
2: Mm-hmm. I, I honestly don't think Titi and I had a real good understanding of how taxes work in this country. And we also didn't understand that we had a third partner. Uh, Titi and I always thought that it was just she and I in business. And because we made a profit very early on, we had to break the IRS off a piece. And that's a big, pretty big chunk. So in the beginning, I think in the first year, we had to pay a tax bill of around 17000 And that was more than she and I had ever paid the IRS. And we were used to the IRS giving us money back. And, you know, I asked Titi because Titi was the, uh, Titi knew everything, Mandy and Tiffany. I asked Titi, do we have to always pay this kind of bill? And Titi <laughs> said, well, the more money you make, the more we have to pay in taxes. And that was, that was new news to me. And in that moment, I realized that we had a third partner. So I, I said, Titi, isn't there uh, a thing where if you buy a house, or you have some expenses, you can offset some of those taxes? And she said, yeah. And then that's when we, we ran to Bed-Stuy and we got that brownstone. But we purchased the brownstone as a result of this, this new understanding of how taxes work and that it wasn't just she and I in business together. We had a third partner, the IRS.
1: So you were taking advantage of some tax breaks for first-time homeowners around that time, right?
2: Yes, yes. And this was 1999
1: when we bought our brownstone when Bed Stuy was the hood. Look at you guys! That's incredible. I mean, I don't think a lot of people would have been so, um, you know, scrappy or um, uh, creative with, with when faced with a challenge like that. I mean. To me, that's that's pretty extraordinary.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's 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 a hurting thing. It it hurts your feelings when you have to give up that money that you've worked so hard for, um, but you try to find ways to hold on to as much as you can, and that was what we were thinking about. So I'm so glad we did it.
1: Now I talked about your dad earlier and I wanted to bring him up because he's a big part of the book. He's a big part of your, you know, he was your primary care- caretaker for a while him and 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 of course your your grandmother the namesake of the company miss jesse herself but um i, I brought up your, your dad earlier because um i read this resonated with me because i i feel like i learned a lot from my parents mistakes and you certainly talk about and are candid about watching your father struggle with his own you know weaknesses or you know his challenges that he faced you know as an entrepreneur and what were some of the biggest lessons you learned from seeing him sort of half his ups and downs he was in real estate for a while and then you guys of course, you had that cleaning business, and that was sort of a struggle. Yeah, you know, what what did you take away from that, and 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 use as you were launching your own business?
2: I learned that business is really about tenacity. I, I sat and witnessed my dad. Uh, have aspirations and have dreams of bettering himself, bettering us. And he kept trying, you know, my dad kept trying. My dad did not have formal training, but he had a desire to be free and he had a desire to be his own boss. Uh, I think most of his um, aspirations, really, I think Titi and I were the the fruit of his dreams and and, and his labor. I think for him, although he was not able to see, you know, that million dollar check or that million dollar deal, um, my dad was grooming Tiki and I for us to really um, hit home runs. Um, So we saw a very proud, smart man do his thing, but he wasn't perfect. And we saw him make mistakes. Any entrepreneur can tell you, particularly the entrepreneurs who don't have formal training, it's not pretty, you know. So to be in business with, you know, your very strong-minded dad, um, that wasn't always rosy uh, for us. And, um, you know, sometimes our relationship suffered because of it. I could honestly tell you in in terms of um, training, there is no uh, better training course than, than Titi and I. Could have taken or did take then for us to work with our dad uh, he sparred with us and he trained us to be the best so you know I consider Tiki and I to be very fortunate and we love him he 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 he's an amazing man
3: what advice do you give like a Cause uh, my biggest struggle is work life balance. I'm recently engaged. I, you know, and it's just like everyone's always pulling at you. Me and my best friend just had an argument like two days ago. I totally forgot <laughs> to call my my godson on his birthday, and she's like, "What the hell, Tiffany?" And I, I just feel like I'm always stretched. Like, well, how do you manage it all, you know, and uh, without making yourself crazy or feel guilty all the time? <laughs>
2: I think something's going to give and really um it go it it will go in order by itself. It really falls fall, it really boils down to what's important, what's most important to you. If your boyfriend or your fiance is most important, that's going to get most of your attention. If your business is most important, that's going to get most of your attention. I think for you, you know, in terms of well, what do I do and how do I do? It, I think using common sense is the key. And uh, you mentioned the word balance. Balance is a wonderful tool, you know, to put in play, but really it's about what's important to you and then you'll be able to prioritize how you want to handle things. So I think you should pay attention to what's important and then you'll be able to put everything in order.
1: I mean you have a you have a son right uh he's uh, how old teenager right
2: he's a teenager he's sixteen he'll be seventeen in
1: may in may oh well happy birthday to him <laughs> yeah he's proud of his seventeen. <laughs> oh god good luck with that um I wanted to ask you because i i and I want to be sensitive because I know your sister you guys were obviously very close and she passed away um mm-hmm. only a, a couple or a few years ago. Um, but you, you talk about in the book, you know, she was more than your business partner and your sister. She was a co-parent. She was, a you know, a partner. And, um, you know, I, I, I would love to sort of ask you if you have advice for people out there who are, you know, a lot of people go into business with family or with, you know, best friends or partners. And um, sometimes the, the worst can happen. And um, one of you may no longer be able to be a part of the company or may unfortunately, something may happen, um, is there anything you can, you know, learn from your experience um, of, of you know, of your sister's passing that you'd like to pass on to entrepreneurs and how they can, pre- not prepare, but protect themselves or, you know, any advice for what to do after something like that happens that you, you know, think might be useful or that you found useful? Yes. Um, Titi and I built our business together So
2: there wasn't really one area that she or I didn't know about. So in Titi's passing, it's not a new experience for me to do some of the carry out some of the duties that I would normally do if Titi were here. In her absence, just so fortunate, I'm just so fortunate to be able to carry that on. So I'm really just doing what I've always done, just more of it. So that that was um, that was something that armed me. With um, being able to carry on the business in her absence, but I just wanted to back up a moment before you know you get to that. In choosing your partner, you touched a little bit on family businesses and partnerships. You know, Mandy, um, family doesn't always guarantee that you're going to get a good partner. You know, we just spoke with Tiffany and, you know, maybe out of the four sisters, one of the sisters might be a better business partner than than, than the other. It's just, it's just like that. It doesn't mean that anyone's bad or good. It's just really chemistry and, you know, choosing a partner, you have to find someone that you have chemistry with, someone who um, you trust, someone who there's a nice harmony going on and I think from there, decisions can be made. Sometimes. It Decisions will go your way. Sometimes it'll go your partner's way. And then, you know, sometimes you guys will both make decisions together. So I think that's really important when you're choosing a partner. And then all the other stuff in terms of formalizing your business or, you know, maybe disputes might come along, you know, later on down the line. I think those things can be worked out. But picking, uh, choosing a, a business partner is kind of like choosing a boyfriend, you know, or a spouse. You really want to find someone you like and someone you, you you have good
1: harmony and chemistry with so we need to we, we've skipped around I feel like with your story and we haven't even so you started as a hairstylist in your salon like you said a two-chair salon UNTT when was it that I mean you weren't making your own products from the beginning so how many years when was it that you started making the Miss Jessie's hair care products and how the heck do you just do that <laughs> how do you just mix it up in your kitchen
2: Yeah, that's a great question. Titi and I bought our brownstone in 1999. Uh, I had an aha moment at, at bath time with my son probably in 2000, during the year that he was first born, I couldn't maintain my uh, straight, styled hair straight. And that started a conversation with our clients who were coming to our house because we'd gotten kicked out of a salon, out of our two-chair business that that I mentioned earlier. We had to refuge to our house. That was an opportunity for us, Mandy, because uh, we were pressed, we needed to pay our, our mortgage. I was a single parent. And we were trying our best to think outside the box. Um, That opportunity came at bath time. I was always a great hairstylist, so I got very good at styling curly, kinky, and wavy hair. And quickly I became an expert. But at the time, there were no Miss Jessie's in Target, Walmart, Walgreens, and CVS. So what we did was we took it to our kitchen table the way we saw our grandmother do as she made things from scratch. You know, Titi and I would sit there and mix a little bit of this with a little bit of that. We would use products that were on the shelf and add this and add that to it. But it was Titi around 3 o'clock in the morning that cracked that nut and came out with curly pudding she showed me what we would all know to be as curly pudding and uh, that product was a wonderful product because it did everything it said it was going to do and the good news is it did it without chemicals so that was a new discovery, particularly for the woman with the tighter coil curl. And not only were Titi and I, you know, whipping up curl magic at our kitchen table, but before we knew it, not only were we, you know, offering solutions for women and their hair, we, we realized that we were helping to restore um, maybe some esteem that maybe had been bruised over the years, either intentionally or unintentionally, you know, and we were told that maybe our hair was bad and not good. So we were doing a lot of things at once and it was a labor of love. And um slowly but surely, you know, we built our business and tried to do the best work we could with service and product.
3: You know what really touched me is when I went natural, like nobody was really going now. And I have like my parents are both Nigerian. So I have like really tight kinky curls. Like mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know and when I went natural there was like I was just literally just typing stuff on my computer using honey in my hair using anything that you know anyone you know uh shared I think like I said it was Naturality was literally the only website and so I'd be like making like products in my kitchen and then my hair would look crazy and I'm like I don't know what to do and when I I couldn't believe when I saw your products I thought wait someone's actually making something like (laughs) for us it blew me away honestly and it's it's surreal to have you here because, and I just want to thank you for that because when I went natural, people would tell me why. I remember my mom telling me, I guess you never want to get married, huh? Oh
2: no.
3: Yeah, and I was like, really mommy? Cause you know, like natural hair was not, it wasn't like now everyone's doing it, it's so cool. But back then, it wasn't something that that, you know that women did without ridicule you know women with older black women would stop me on the street and say baby you so cute why would you do that to your hair i'm like do what it literally grows like this like
1: (laughs) (laughs) talk to god
3: yes exactly bring it up with jesus you know (laughs) so like what i mean what made? When did you kind of realize? Wow, so many women are are needing this. Was there a moment when you were just like? I remember like a, a watching this like story with Lisa Price when she realized whoa that like Oprah had ordered her products. But when did you realize like wow we really hit on a nerve here that this there's nothing like this out here for women with hair like ours.
2: Well, um, our products came out during the time that women just started a conversation um online and at the time they were called chat rooms, so you know some of the sites you visited are are, are- are where many of our customers came from, and because women were chatting, if, if we got a customer here, we would actually post before and after pictures, and we would share that information and then they would share it and it would go up on these message boards, and before you know it, before we knew it, our phone was ringing so much, we couldn't, you know, there wasn't enough hours in the day to take on everyone, so the the booking, you know, was way far out, so we can accommodate all the interest. But, you know, Titi and I understood that women with a tighter coil curl, there was nothing for her in the market. There was nothing speaking to her. There were no real, you know, solutions. She had to go online and try to find someone to have a conversation with. And that bath time, it just it was right on time. You know, um, we didn't intentionally um you know, set out to create products like this, it just kind of happened uh, while a conversation was going on, and also during the time that the internet really just started to kick off. So I think we were blessed, and uh, we were just armed with the right information and the right intention, and I think that combination put us in a position where we were able to be helpful.
1: No, I I want to talk a little bit about the business side of things. So you, you create this amazing curly pudding. You are excited. You've maybe, you know, went out and got some packages and you started bottling it up and sharing it around. But how do you go from that? I mean, did you did you need investments eventually? When did you go big leagues and, and how did you sort of bootstrap um, mm-hmm. the venture? Because like you said, you had a son to raise, you, were, you had a mortgage, you had bills. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, can you kind of uh, uh, speak about that?
2: Yep. So early on, uh, Mandy, Titi and I uh, learned a a good lesson. It was a hard lesson. We learned that it is in our best interest to have a manageable business. When we uh, first experienced our our, um, first success in the two chair salon, we expanded to a salon around two blocks up had yeah, two blocks up and we ended up getting a place that was three si- three times the size, three times the rent, and it was just too fast and too soon and we lost it all. And that's we, we, we lost our business and we had to refuge to this brownstone. I mean that failure later turned into a success. But there was a lesson that always stuck with us and we understood that we needed to have a manageable business. So what we did was we kept, we put a premium on our services and our products. And we tried to keep our expenses down. So Titi and I did a lot of sacrificing. Although I was a single parent, you know, Titi and I, we were roommates. We shared the same car. We shared clothes. Uh, Titi co-parented with me. Um, During the time in, in, in the 90s, that was a very exciting time in New York City. Many of my friends were out at the party, but, you know, Titi and I stayed back. We reinvested whatever money we made back into the business. And the business happened to be in the brownstone and the house that we lived in. So we were able to dual purpose many things and we were able to be resourceful until finally we were able to hire more people to help us with our business. But that in combination with us creating a window winning product and also creating real solutions that worked for people like Tiffany and for people like Miko and Titi and Mandy. You know, there's so many of us out here. And that's the thing about hair with texture. It's not just one way. There's something for everyone. And I think God just gave us the, the, the magic formula to come up with something that was going to be helpful. All those ingredients together um, served us well and we were able to um, build our business slowly but surely. Now, you know, uh, I talked to you about, you know, manageability, you know, by the time that uh, we partnered up with large retailers, we understood that it was important for us to grow into the business slowly. A lot of us don't understand that when you partner up with a Walmart or Walgreens, it can be very expensive, (laughs) you know, to... um, Partner up with a retailer like that. You know, you may have to take out a loan in order to make, you know, enough curly pudding to fill all 7,000 stores. So growing into the business slowly was something that we were being very mindful of. And I think that was part of the key to us keeping our shirt on as we learned this new business. So Tiki and I were excellent at cur- making curly pudding, excellent at styling hair, but knew nothing about uh, dealing in, 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 in retail. so what, uh, what an education there, but taking baby steps um, really helped us out a lot.
3: What would you what say was- like was your biggest mistake, like you know a mistake that, and then how do you get over those things? like because I think especially with women, we make these mistakes. And then, you know, if you're starting a business and you let that be the thing that makes you stop. So, what was your biggest like challenge that you had or one of them and how do you get past when you have these challenges?
2: I think our biggest challenge happened very early on when we lost our business. I mean, you have to understand as an entrepreneur, that is the ultimate form of failure when you lose your business. So, that happening to us early on was memorable to us. But along the way, Tiffany, there were so many, um, we, we stumbled a lot. You know, we had to learn a new business. And th- one thing that comes to mind is when we got the opportunity to be in uh, the our first largest retailer, uh, we ended up going in and we were so excited. We signed every contract with no attorney present. <laughs> and, and yeah, and you know, uh, that industry has been an industry that's you know everything is pretty much in place and people have um, ways in which they' they've, they've done business and who are TT and I to come along and, and, and say anything. But um, we managed to uh, create a space where we can survive. Um, while doing business with with some of our large retailers. And uh, we were able to go back in and renegotiate terms that made sense for a small business of our size. And I think that, you know, those terms made all the difference when it came time for us to do business
1: with our new partners. When was the first time you saw Miss Jesse's in a store?
2: Uh, the, okay, so the first time I saw Miss Jessie's in a store, it was actually a store that Titi and I chose. Uh, people were ringing our doorbells like late in the evening, early in the morning when we live here in Brooklyn on, on Hancock Street. So we needed to find a place, a retailer, and we ended up uh, going um, to this place called Sodafine in the Fort Greene section of Brooklyn. But it was a thrift store, a cool thrift store on DeKalb Avenue and uh, that was the first place that sold our product. Then there was a store that I loved. It was called, it is called Ricky's, and Ricky's had everything from like Halloween costumes to cool makeup or rare, you know, hair styling products. It had a little bit of everything. And one day I we went in there. I had my son; he was around five, and we went in there and we. Bum rushed the, the the stock man and we asked them why he didn't have Miss Jessie's there and we asked him to hook us up.
1: And he did <laughs> not telling him that it was your product.
0: No,
2: we told him. This oh, is you our did? Okay. yeah, hook a sister up. We wanna be in here. Who do we talk to? Let us know, blah blah blah. And he told us everything he knew and we gave him a case of product and we told him to pass it on and he did. Next thing you know, we got a call, and apparently, Ricky's ha- they had a meeting every Tuesday where they analyzed, you know, new product or, or you know, had those kinds of meetings. And they made their first order. And they had 25 stores. So that was huge for us. That was our first large distribution. So that was our next step of growth. And then ultimately, uh, when we saw our product on the end cap in Target at the Atlantic Terminal um, location in Brooklyn, that was, that was larger than life for us. And, and, you know, the rest is history.
1: Do you feel like it's been a couple, I mean, nearly two decades since... You know the 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 beginning of Miss Jessie's. Do you feel like you're in a place now where you are you're comfortable financially? You don't have to worry anymore, or do you sort of still feel that early? You know, entrepreneurial. Um, I don't know if anxiety is too strong of a word, but yeah. Where's your what's your mindset like now with the mm-hmm. company? Yeah, so
2: um, it goes it goes in phases. There's days uh, I feel like I'm a brand new entrepreneur and I feel really scrappy. And then there's other days where I realize that, you know, Tiki and I have put in the hard work. And today is a day where we're to enjoy the fruits of our labor. So it all depends on the day. And I mean, what a wonderful position to be in there. There are times when we're able to enjoy it, but, um, as an entrepreneur, the work is never done. And because we still own our business, um, 100% and I don't know if you guys notice, I, I still refer to our business as our and we, cause mm-hmm. Titi's still here with me, but, um, you know, I, I, I've just lost track of my thought right now just thinking about
1: Titi. Let's see. Um,
2: where was I, Mandy? What, 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 you were what, just
1: talking about how you have to take time to enjoy all the yes. work you put in.
2: Yes, um, as an entrepreneur, it's not uncommon for you to be working 24 hours a day. Um, it's not uncommon for you to be a multitasker. And there were so many years where Tiki and I were making the money, but we weren't enjoying it. Mm-hmm. And um, now, particularly after Tiki's passing, I make happiness and health. And um, enjoyment, a priority uh, right up there with business because, you know, business can be good one day and, and be bad the next. And, um, you know, while you have it, you have to enjoy it. So um, I have, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate to be able to pick my mood, you know, depending on how the day is going.
1: What's, that, what's your guilty pleasure? What do you like to treat yourself to? Oh my God. I love to eat. I respect you
2: so much more. I love to eat and I love sweets. And, you know, I, you know, it's not just eating just to, you know, do something like I really enjoy like textures and, and flavors. So I really enjoy the experience of eating and, um, yeah, that's that's my thing and I don't I don't I love salt and I love sugar too so yeah. I love the whole thing. So back to this thing about health. How
1: do you balance these things? <laughs> I know,
2: right? Well, you know, it's so f- it's so funny. Um, I've been. I love to walk too. So living in Brooklyn, um, we have the bridges. So I walk over the bridge. Our, our business is now in the city, so it's not uncommon for me to walk over the bridge to the city and back home. Um, I try to walk in between because you know it's not uncommon for me to have you know eaten some dark chocolate. With some almonds that I love. So I'll try to offset that with a good walk. And I love to ride my bike. Those are my two. The workouts and the classes, I, that, that's so challenging for me. I hate that stuff. But yeah. I try to push myself. But um, I just try to keep moving, you know, the best I can.
1: I love you know that what? you're just out there out in here. Brooklyn biking around. Yeah. I might need to. No, I'm not going to be weird.
2: <laughs> every listen, every every everyone in Brooklyn. I mean, you know, everyone in Brooklyn is it has a community feel. We're all trying to do something and it's cool to be out and and to be seen in Brooklyn. So it's it's you can style and and look cute while you're on your bike out here in Brooklyn. So don't don't get me wrong. <laughs>
3: no, I'm glad you said that cuz finding time to exercise can kind be of so challenging.
2: Mhm. Yes, it can be. But, you know, as we're getting older, it is a priority, and I say that with all my heart, as much as I hate it, I try to move move it around because um want- you know if you don't use it, you'll lose it and um, like I said, you know, life is short, so when I get to be in my sixties or seventies, you know i I do want to be i want to have my mobility that that's become a new concern of mine, so I'm trying to keep it moving.
3: Well, I hear it in your voice. I mean, because I, I know a lot of business women who have gotten very successful and somehow have like lost touch with, you know, the why, why they started. And they've kind of like, there's no humility left, I guess, for lack of a better word. How do you, I mean, I can hear it and I'm sure you can feel it, Mandy, that, you know, Miko, you, you seem so humble and so down earth. Like, how do you maintain that with all the success?
2: I come from a very humble family. Uh, my mom is a Buddhist monk now. Uh, our dad struggled, you know, as he tried to figure out, you know, all the ins and outs of um being or becoming a different entrepreneur because he tried many different things. Our grandmother was a woman who um, was down to earth. She kept it absolutely 100. And I think Titi and I, we're, we're a product of those kinds of people. I raised my son that way. I think it's its best. And um, I don't think money should change that dynamic. I think money is a tool um, that you can use to, to, to do many things, but I don't think that money has much to do with character or your personality or your decision making when it comes to um, many things. How about that?
1: <laughs> I feel like money almost brings out exactly who you are how you what when you put a pile of money or success in front of somebody you'll find out very quickly sort of what kind of person they are um yeah based on how they how they use that and approach it and it sounds like you've got such a good um sense of of that and and what matters and and all of that and um i mean one of the things that we're candid on this show we're very candid almost to the point of it's it's you know, it's borderline TMI. But let's be, let's yeah. be real. People no. know too much. I sometimes I forget how candid we are. Yes. And then mm-hmm. someone's like, Mandy, I'm so glad you talked about couples therapy. And I'm like, say, how do you know that about my life? Oh, so I do. I have been talking about, you know, um, you know, I'm planning a wedding. And we sort of both are in, you know, Tiffany's an entrepreneur. And I'm a I'm a manager for a, um, a personal finance news site. And it's, you know, we talk about the anxieties and the ups and downs. And Um, I found this year more than ever, it's been important for me to kind of protect my brain, protect my mind and like take some like mental self care. And I just wonder if there's anything that you do to sort of like keep your mind right? Or are you always just so Zen and, and wise and like balanced?
2: No, not always uh, anything. Um, I'm still growing and I'm still changing, but uh, I'm very protective of my mind and I'm very protective of my space. And um, I, I like to choose wisely when it comes to the people that I surround myself around. I find people with good hearts, whether they're the people that I work with, the people that I do business with, in my personal relationship, it really affects me, and it affects me in more ways than I realize. And as I get older, I find that um, it's important that I, I I'm mindful of what what who I surround myself with and what what kinds of environments I place myself in. So if I were to have any control over anything like that, I try my hardest um, to to manage that space. But you know, um, therapy is something that I've um, been enjoying. Uh, I've done it for the past two years. And particularly after Tiki died, I thought it was really important that I speak with someone. But what I found about therapy is that it's not just a place for people who um, are having major issues, challenges. Although it's a wonderful place for people if they are having those, those, you know, those challenges. But it's a wonderful place just to have a standing appointment for you to let your hair down and um, talk about whatever you want to talk about. Um, Hopefully the person you're talking to, um, you don't have too much of a personal relationship with them where they'd be offended although it's not uncommon for us to get attached to our our therapist but I find it's been very helpful to me and it's um, therapy has helped help me to articulate um, how I feel what I want and um, it's been it's been a helpful tool for me in many areas including business so it's a way for me to practice how to articulate what's in my mind and it made me a better communicator. So therapy has been, um, it's been great. But as I'm getting older, uh, I feel like I'm getting wiser, because I feel like I'm able to look at things more three dimensionally, and I have more context now. And I'm able to look at things um, more dynamically. So I try to apply it as best as I can.
1: If you could go back and talk to yourself when you were 20 maybe when you were miserable in FIT or when you were you know just trying to start your hair care business or you know in beauty school dealing with the drama that you talk about in your book um, <laughs> some cat fights in beauty school it was actually really funny but um what what would you what, what advice would you give to your younger self I know I like I like asking people that question I feel like it's um' I think we'd all like a chance to kind of go back and give our younger selves a hug. But,
2: yeah, Mm -hmm. what would
1: you tell your younger self?
2: I would tell a younger Miko that it's okay to be me. And uh, for many years I felt ashamed. I felt embarrassed about being pink. I'm really, really pink and very girly, and I was raised by a dad who I think he was scared to death of my pinkness. He thought that that may have been weakness, and um, I think he didn't want anyone to really hurt me, and as a result, I think my dad might have been a little harder on me um, in those areas. So I was ashamed of, of being a girl, girlish and feminine, and some of the areas that um, I really excelled in were, you know, beauty, you know, hair, beauty, makeup. And I wish that I... Um Owned it and embraced it as a younger Miko, and I think that would have given me a different kind of confidence. Um, My sister was always very smart. Uh, Titi read every single encyclopedia in our house, and I think that Titi had a wonderful confidence and posture as a younger Titi because she was able to attach herself to something she was good at, and um, I would... Have liked to have known that it was okay for me to be me, and I think that I would have been a more confident Miko.
1: Well, it has been such a pleasure talking to you. It has been. I'm Thanks. such a fan. You have no idea. Miss Jassy's is such a big part of my life, and it's it's. And when you and you know, I. It's easy to like, um, kind of roll your eyes at you know black women when we talk about our hair and how important it is but it truly is life-changing when you have when you feel like you know you can take pride in your hair for once and you know and and just so thank you for for taking a chance and for making these products and for you know keeping tt's spirit alive and continuing on um yeah thank you so much and and for coming on our little show especially
2: Oh, no, it's my pleasure. I enjoy uh, meeting and talking with uh, particularly women and hearing how you guys are doing your thing. I wish Titi and I had had more friends like you guys as we were building our business. Uh, When we were building it, 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 it just... It seemed like it was just she
1: and I. Mm -hmm. But um, if you ever need a test, (laughs) Johnny, I will sign right up. Are you available for Savannah April 7th? Would you like to come (laughs) test my hair and my hair? Mandy! She's so sweet. Is she real?
3: I know. Honestly, I was like, I wanted to be like, can you be my friend? But I was like, let me not.
1: <laughs> can I just keep you in my pocket when I'm having a bad day?
3: Like, do you want to go to dinner or coffee? Or well, like...
1: I, I want to be like, I'll be your friend. Are you looking for friends? Do you I want one? You <laughs> I'm free. I'm available.
3: That, like, it's, that's what I, you know, and she <laughs> is a reminder of that's what I want to aspire to that like despite the, you know, as you become more and more successful, I that same energy that she gives us, that same genuineness and kindness and you can still feel it and see it. And I'm like, you know, that it's possible to maintain that and be wildly successful. Mm-hmm. And I'm just so glad she's a, an awesome example. Like what an awesome, awesome,
1: amazing like spirit. Wow. Yay. Well, I can't wait to use my curly pudding in the morning. <laughs> How often do you get to meet the person who changed your hair? Oh my god. I know. That's yeah.
3: That was a good good choice, Mandy. Yay.